0: Power, power, by Righteous Media. Thanks for tuning in to the B-Dorm Podcast. I'm your co host, Don the Piz Elevert, joined as always by Justin Jericho Turner. And we are two college roommates getting together a couple decades later to talk about life, business, media, entertainment, and everything in between. Let's go. Justin, cheers to you right back at you, my friend. Clean. What are you drinking over there, by the way?
1: I'm drinking uh founders, KBS, Cinnamon Vanilla Cocoa. It's
0: a big ass cup you got right there, homie. We're gonna call this
1: a chalice. This is once you get over a certain size, you're no longer a cup. Aha.
0: You're <laughs> drinking you're drinking size appropriate beverages.
1: There it is. And it's black,
0: right? Well, exactly. Who's darker skinned than me? Mm. <laughs> My beard. Your drink is darker skinned than you. <laughs> Yo. So. What's good, brother? Right before we got on, we both realized that this is the first time we're actually seeing each other in some way, shape, or form since the turn of the calendar year since we got to 22022 yeah man happy new year brother happy new year my friend good to see you um a lot has happened since we last since we last got together <laughs> since we recorded our pilot episode of the beat podcast for all those tuning into this episode make sure you go back listen to the pilot see what that was all about and why hey. we got this platform here before i ask you how you celebrated your new years and or after new years times I'm a I'ma let you know how what I did over the course of, of the that month, month and a half holiday season period. Not a damn thing. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> my man Omicron came around. My man O'Marian. <laughs> my if boy
1: that's what he had to put out. He was like, yo, I am
0: I am not a virus. <laughs> <laughs> my boy, my boy Homicron came over and took out everybody surrounding me. My man. Um I, do again. I was dodging that Omicron everywhere because <laughs> I already had I already had that OG COVID last year around Thanksgiving and I was not trying to get Omicron somehow managed not not to get it. But um first off, let's see I know I know of a, let's see one everyone in my family And then two other people. So I know about six or seven people who went to Florida for the holidays. And all of them came back with that Omicron.
1: I I was going to say something about Florida being COVID country, but every country was COVID country.
0: I'm not even trying to diss Florida. We We got got all other reasons. You and I, we got all other reasons we could talk about Florida and what's going on in Florida. I (laughs) love, I love Florida. Been going there since I was a kid. Got a lot, got family down there, got friends down there. I got nothing but love for many people in Florida. I don't love what's going on with Florida right. lately. But, you know, again, topic for another day. We're talking about holiday season here, man. We're trying to keep it happy. happy. I got you. I got you. So how'd you celebrate the turn of the new year? Yeah, did I, do? I did.
1: I did almost nothing for for New Year's. Omicron was, was in full effect. So whatever plans I thought I might have had for New Year's was squashed. Ended up staying in. Yeah. Um, but I was also like storing my energy and holding my breath because I had a uh, Caribbean International Fashion Week that I was producing in St. Lucia over Martin uh, Luther King weekend. Yes. That's and, when I saw you. Right. Celebrating. So I didn't do anything over New Year's, but I was able to salvage, emphasis on salvage, um, what ended up being a very very good trip for uh some of the brands that uh my company works with we were able to go out there with a small much smaller group than we intended but that's fine a lot of the brands ended up pulling out because of covid um we had you know a number of caribbean brands who just could not get their stuff to us because of covid restrictions and the the slowdown in um all the shipping, so it was a lot of a lot of issues that we were trying to overcome. We ended up just working with some brands that are domestic here, bringing them out to the Caribbean with us with a small group of models. Uh, we worked with some local talent out there, fantastic photographer who uh, we worked with before, who we've gotten published, um, and it was great. You know, it was it was like. You have, you know, you set your 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 palate for like a, a nice juicy T-bone steak and like you don't get that steak, so you're a little bit disappointed. But the the meal that we ended up getting was still satisfying. Um so I feel like we did what we we went out there to do. And if uh you know the the folks wanna see some photos from that, we'll probably post them on our Instagram. So make sure you follow the B Dorm Pod Instagram as well. Um and, um, you know, I, I, it, it's the Caribbean, it's, it's St. Lucia. So <laughs> I had a good time, you know, I was, I was five minutes from the beach, um, right outside my hotel door. So it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic place to, to hold an event. Um, but it's pretty, it's like a, you know, plus and minus, like we had some people who got stuck at the airport on their way to St. Lucia because the rules um, that they set for um, testing before you can fly into the country. Uh, mm. A friend of mine showed up at the airport. You know, had you know everything, thought he had everything straight. Had a letter of approval from the doctor, like everything. But because he didn't have the one thing that their government required, he he wasn't allowed to travel into the country. So, um, you know, COVID's been doing stuff like that. And, and yes, it's a vacation for them. So it's not like a huge sacrifice, but it's a big sacrifice for the people who live there, who rely on vacationers to pay all of their bills. And I think sometimes that's what gets lost with people, right? Like, oh, Americans can't go on vacation. Oh, crocodile tears for them. No, it's not just that they can't go on vacation, because if they don't go on vacation, they can't supply a lot of these Caribbean nations, for example. With you know sixty to eighty percent of their GDP, so it's it's a big deal. Um, so we did what we could. We got a small group together, and we went out there and we supported all local businesses. We stayed in a resort that's owned locally, also, which is another thing. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of places, you know, you go to these big resorts, but they're actually owned by corporations that are multinational. Um, and are providing little to no actual revenue for people who live on that island. Um, so, you know, we wanted to make sure that when we had our event, that we worked with a local place that hires local people. Um, we hired a local caterer out there to, to, to provide one of the meals for us. And like I said, we worked with local photographers. Like that's that's kind of my thing. That's my MO. That's how I work um, with our fas- our small fashion PR company. Um, that's what we do we try to do everything like grassroots collaboration and cooperation equals success like
0: that's that's what we preach let's say let's just let's just take a Caribbean t- planning a caribbean vacation for a second there right yep cuz um you could go to a you go to a to a country and book a vacation at a fancy resort go to that resort be treated like a king have the time of your life li- enjoy the beach enjoy the enjoy some of the cuisine and literally experience nothing of that actual culture and not necessarily not necessarily do anything I don't want to say nothing beneficial for the region because even when you talk about some of those some of those major corporations that may own a resort at the end of the day they 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 tend to employ local people, right, and still buy goods and resources from 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 local people, so it's not do anything, but it's really the least um, influence you can have on the local economy in in doing it that way, right right so let me take so take me through. I want you to put on your um, travel agent hat for a second here. So what is the right, what is, uh, listen, I'm not going to say the right way. There's not really right or wrong. But if you want to actually really experience, experience the place you're going to for real, for real, for real, what are the some, what are some of the things you can do to still have your high end? I'm on vacation. I want to be treated like a king. I want to be on a beach. I want to be safe. I want to be on a resort. But how can you do that? And balance that out with having a positive impact on the local economy, and truly getting a sense of what's going on in for for local folks in the in the region that you're traveling to, so that you as a person get more exposure and and all and and help enlighten yourself to make yourself more informed and a better worldly traveler. It's an excellent, excellent premise, my
1: man. Um, I think we'll, we'll refer to this as the uh,
0: the travel cheat code, right? Travel cheat code, exactly. If you go to up, oh. C, down, C, left, C, right, C, B, A, select, start, your travel plans, <laughs> how are you going to hit them? <laughs> all right.
1: So it's, the, the first thing I realized is, you know, if I'm going on vacation, I probably want to smoke, right? So I, reached, I, I was like, all right, I can't just walk around asking for herbs. That's you're asking for trouble doing that, first of all, some even if you do find somebody who's going to give you something, it's going to be terrible, it's gonna be trash, like half pencil shavings, like ridiculous nonsense, right? So first thing on the travel cheat code, ask your cab driver. Hmm. We won't think about that. Like you get in the cab and you're so anxious to get to the resort or whatever. And I'm talking about like, if you're going to one of those all inclusive resorts where you're not really going to have a lot of contact with the, you know, actual island or wherever you are, Mm -hmm. ask cab driver, cab drivers are, are the chillest people on the island. They have access to, you know, everything on some level, or they know somebody who does like cab drivers are like the, they're the. The gatekeepers, especially in the Caribbean. So, you know, you're looking for, like, oh, I want to go to like a real local spot and have like authentic food. Or, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like I want to get some good bud, not some nasty trash. You know, Mm. cab drivers is a good, like, just ask them. And, you know, if you're going to work to a resort, you're probably going to be sitting in the car for, you know, 20, 30, 40 minutes. You got lots of time. You can interrogate them. (laughs) first of all, a lot of them love to talk. So, you know, get them talking about, you know, different kinds of things, different things to see. Um, many of them have had these conversations already, so they have prepackaged things to say. So that's, that's the first thing on the cheat code. Next thing, when you get to your resort and you're one of those people who says, Oh, I like, you know, the, the three or four restaurant options I have, but I want to eat local food. I want to eat actual local food. Human beings were the first Yelp. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a solid point, my friend. Treat, a solid point.
1: Treat it just like that. Just ask different people about the same place. Because that's can basically I? what you're doing when you're watching,
0: you know, reading reviews on Yelp. Can I even point out can I even summarize something you just said because because one of the things you you just pointed out made me really think about cuz I've been lucky to, to I've been fortunate to to travel at times with some really highly successful and very economically successful in particular people, right? Right. And I'm not going to these are great people, great people, great amazing nice people, but I will say when people have a lot of money and people are on vacation, people tend to treat the those that are in the service industry and being paid to provide service to them, not like people and only like servants right. for them. Right. Mm-hmm. And what you're t- what you're saying is it may, it's, it's basic, but I want to highlight this because it's it's it even resonated with me when you're talking about it. It's it's hey. Just treat, just interact with people and remembering that they are people too. Mm-hmm. Have conversations, have conversation with your cab driver, have a conversation with the the concierge and not just about how can you get, can you get me a cab? Where's the restaurant? Like have a conversation, like ask them what they do on their downtime. You know right. what I, I'm point out? And I'm actually going to, I'm actually going to, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm gonna end up calling myself out on a pseudo fib, from just a few minutes ago on this podcast, right? (laughs) I forgot when I said I didn't do anything for the holidays, that's starting at like right before Christmas, just before Christmas. I actually went to Cancun, not the, uh, not the super, like, not the like college spring break area, Cancun, Cancun, but a little area over, over close to it. And, uh, QR, I believe, Quintana Roo in that whole region. Right. Um, and I was actually there with a few Amherst college buddies that I used to sing with. In my acapella group in the Zumbai's back in the day. I don't even think, I didn't even mention this to you. Um, but funny enough, you know who I got a uh, I got a a fabulous book recommendation from and who I had some serious philosophical discussions about um, about um, ancient Mayan culture and other um, indigenous cultural, religious beliefs and plant medicines. And uh, nutrition and other stuff with the gentleman who I guess you would say his official job title was he was our butler mm-hmm. for for the villa and the private villa in which we were staying in. Um, we had a private villa with a set with a, a couple of in-house chefs, the main butler who organized everything for us, for lack of a better phrase. And. He overheard some of the stuff I was talking with some other people about and kind of casually came over to me and said, hey, I heard you talking about this, yada, yada. And I could tell he was a little nervous, kind of, you know, bringing up to me something that he had overheard because he kind of crossed the line, a line, that professional line in his world of mentioning that, yeah, I'm a human and I'm standing here. So what you say and do, I see in here, right? Right. <laughs> because people seem to forget that, too. Like the people who are your housekeepers, your your cook, whatever, when you're at your fancy resort or at your private villa, like they have ears, they have eyes, they have (laughs) brains. Right. Their brain might be bigger than yours. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So they're half the time, they're just pretending like they don't see or hear what's going on, but they do. And they have input and their input is valuable and their input can probably... Be of value to you and change your life for, for the better. So, have conversations with them. But again, basically, summaring it, summarizing it more succinctly, just treat people like people. I want to I want to point out another thing about your vacation because you you did mention it was for Martin Luther King Day, right? Yes, sir. You know, it has me a little hot right now. Or had me a little hot, especially around Martin Luther King Day. Hot and bothered, I would say, right? <laughs> <laughs> or is that the wrong term? Hot and really when I say hot and bothered, do people think that mean that I mean sexual? Yes. Oh, my bad. Not hot and bothered. Nah, no, bother. <laughs> nah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I don't know how to react. When I see people who I know at least in the past were either how do we put it? They weren't necessarily pro Martin Luther King day. <laughs> I don't know. What um, you know what I'm saying? People who, who 15, 15, years ago, 15, 20 years ago, people who mocked the holiday or at least Didn't necessarily think it deserves national recognition or at the very least, you know, just couldn't, couldn't care less about it. And suddenly some of these people are full-fledged Martin Luther King historians with the, the quotes and the, how great of an impact in my life, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, part of my mind is like, isn't that great? They've come around. They... Are they now are embracing this and they understand the importance, et cetera, yada yada? How do I come to terms with and where? What? Where? Where does? Where is the line between when you go from being naive, ignorant, to naive or ignorant about, or 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 even at even in worst cases, preventative about progress in something such as such of such importance, like? Martin Luther King Day. Right. And how do I, how do I simultaneously appreciate the progress that individuals in my life have made in regards to that? While also being like, Hey, hold up. I don't allow, I don't know if you're allowed to now be the poster child for this, for, for, for this movement at this moment, like sit back, relax, enjoy the ride while you get acclimated here but don't go don't go putting stuff up to that so that people think you've been about that you've been about that life all this time when you clearly weren't right and i just want to point out for the for the listeners don is not
1: just talking about white people he's talking about us too because it's it's, it's, it's a whole lot of we're gonna call it wokeism um that's happening Thank you. yes <laughs> There's a whole lot of wokeism that's happening. I need a sip
0: of my drink after that little uh diatribe I went on there. Sorry, but yeah you, know. yeah, you gotta refresh your throat, my man.
1: Cause uh. cause you was hot and bothered. I want you to cool off a little bit. <laughs> yeah, man. I would like to refer to what has happened to America in the past couple of years as the uh uh black patrification of America, right? Now this this is how we tie in our, our earlier argument. Black people got super dressed up when Black Panther came out. You remember that shit, Piz? Like Ooh, people was boy. in full, like face paint, costumes, you know, and then the people that weren't into costumes, they everybody had on on some kind of West African people guard. People right?
0: who people who know, you know, I'm you know I'm a comic book fan, I know you're a comic fan, etc. So as much as I love the love that was coming across, I was like, wait a minute. Y'all know nothing about the comics and don't, don't know nothing about these characters and anything. And like, ah, there was yes, I, 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 I hear where you're going with this. Right.
1: (laughs) Brand new black. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, and I loved it. I'm not, I don't want to criticize. Right. I loved it. It was beautiful. Like all the, 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 posts like people just walking around in the street you know wearing like you know traditional west african garb with like you know metal armbands like i love that shit like that's my that's how i see the world right so while i'm while i'm highly critical of people's like sudden wokeness i want to make sure i I'm, I'm very clear that's how we should always feel and the problem is with Kwanzaa, for example, is that it doesn't make people feel the way Black Panther made people feel. And that's, that's the shift that we have to make. We got to find a way to make Kwanzaa make people feel the way Marvel, <laughs> Marvel managed to bring out more
0: Black pride than Kwanzaa. Last year, year before, year before this past holiday season, you produced a video educating people on Kwanzaa and also talking about why Kwanzaa is not being necessarily as, uh, as embraced, not only by America, but by black America um, as well. Yeah, I'll
1: start with the. I'll start on the back end. The most important takeaway is we got to stop thinking about Kwanzaa as a holiday, right? It was never intended, really, to be a holiday. It was intended to be an ideology, like a, a lifestyle change. Um, so, you know, it, yeah, we're outdated. We're like two months out from where Kwanzaa technically was, but it's supposed to be celebrated year round. So we're not really like, you know what I mean? And I think that that's part of the problem. Um, I think we have to get to a point where we understand some things got to change about how we exist in this country and our relationship with American capitalism and all the other things that guide our our, our futures in this country. We got to take a little bit more control over it. And Kwanzaa was intended to be one of those levers of control. It was supposed to be a celebration of Black culture, Black American culture to be specific. And, uh, you know, it was intended to tie Black American roots back to, um, you know, our severed roots from Africa. And I I get that sometimes that transition is difficult for people, especially Black people that grew up in this country that have no connection to Africa. Kwanzaa becomes very academic for them. And like, it's hard to get the Black community to get behind anything that's solely academic. You can get the academics behind it. But that's a small percentage of us. Right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, for everybody else, how do we get them involved in something that's supposed to be a lifestyle change? Um, So I did. I solicited some money from some sponsors and I gave it all to a bunch of uh, models and actors who helped me to exercise one of the tenets of Kwanzaa, creativity. We put together some stuff, as you know, you did some voiceover work on it. In order to try to both educate but also entertain folks in a language that we felt like they could understand, um, just trying to break down the barrier between what Kwanzaa actually is, what it's supposed to be, and the way that it's being celebrated now. Which is cool. Like there's a lot of cultural celebrations that are going on around different parts of the country. It's cool. People are dressing up, you know, throwing on kente cloths and and and, and you know practicing that one West African routine that they practiced all year. Like that's cool. I'm not trying to degradate any of that. On the flip side, that's just the celebration part. And that's the smallest part of what Kwanzaa was supposed to be. It's supposed to be a change in how we interact with each other. It's supposed to be a change in how we deal with, uh, like, one of the most important tenets, cooperative economics. How do we help each other's businesses flourish? Um, you can't do that over a seven-day period after Christmas. You know what I'm saying? That's a year-long process. So that's why we started the Kwanzaa 20 Project. We're still going to be studying Kwanzaa over the next 10 years. We had to take some time off because of COVID. Um, but we're going to jump right back in this year. Um, and we're going to put together some more, some more materials. My whole objective is to try to get folks to understand. And part of the reason why they don't like Kwanzaa is because, for lack of a better way to put it, it's kind of corny, Right. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of academic. It's, it's kind of cheesy. And, you know, for young people who would rather, you know, be in the club than, than be at a church watching, you know, a youth group do a West African dance. Those club people are not going to get the most important elements of what Kwanzaa is supposed to be. So we have to find a way to tie those people back in. We got to find a way to loop those people in um, because that's the way that we're going to be able to make change. And if we're afraid to do that because people feel like, oh, if you try to cheapen it or turn it into something that it's not, quote unquote, that somehow it's going to dilute the message, that's where we all, that's where we lose. That's where we lose, my man. So, you know what I'm saying? Next year, well, 2022, we're going to pump some more energy into Kwanzaa, hopefully get some new voices to, to start talking about it so that we can start to actually make changes.
0: We had holiday season. Mm-hmm. We had Martin Luther King Day. Yes, sir. And now we're in Black History Month. Which really should be called,
1: like, not whitewashed American History Month. So that we could take the, the black out of it. Because, you know, once you throw black into it, like, the, the extreme right starts calling it up, malison ignoring everything that's happening.
0: So should, maybe we should call it full history month or inclusive full history month. month. I full like that. history month. I like that. See? Maybe we should, maybe instead we should call every other month in the calendar year. Cliff notes, history month.
1: <laughs> I like it. Incomplete history months.
0: Yeah. <laughs> months. My bad. Yeah. So now that we're in uh complete history month. Yes. As we uh, embrace the the Black
1: panthification of America, I want us to really, because the next film is going to come out, and like, you know, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman, that's probably going to be the highest grossing film in Hollywood history when that movie mm-hmm. comes out, the second one. And we're going to see even more, you know, we're going to see an avalanche of Black culture when that film comes out. Um. And I'm going to be all over it. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm going to be one of those people that's in, in full garb, like doing my thing. Yeah.
0: So, But that's not um, out of character for you. That's not out of character for you. And right. so that's where my, I come back to my question. And I think that's really what my question is about. And I love your Black Panther analogy because that takes it out of the framework of, because when, when I talk about Martin Luther King Day, to your point, it, it, it sounds like I'm talking about just like white people or something like that. And I'm not. Talking about white people. I'm talking about, I'm using the Martin Luther King Day as an example, but this happens, this is happening all over the place. And I like the Black Panther example, right? It which is the the, at what point when people are new, are new fans of something that is culturally relevant and/or culturally important, right? Um, but they had but they clearly are fairly either ignorant to it or Clearly, n- express views in the past that weren't necessarily supportive of that thing that they are now in support of. At what point can you can you embrace them as being along for th- being in the same car of that train that you're in? You know what I mean. Like, yeah. at what point? At what point? The same way I feel about what those those like those people who I see who who I who I know cracked racist j- crack racist jokes in the background, but then throw a Martin Luther King Day quote up on their on their Instagram or social media profile because you know maybe maybe it's genuine I don't know if it's it's that's the problem is I can't I don't know what's genuine or not if I if I know you and what you're putting out there doesn't match with you but the same goes for when I was at the movie theater I actually had an experience you want to know something funny I'm gonna tell you my blank Black Panther story, story now that you say this when I went to see Black Panther right so I'm gonna admit to a little bit of my booginess right here. No problem. I'm that dude. You know, you go you ever go to AMC movie theaters? Yes, sir. I'm that dude that's a uh a, a Stubbs A-List member or whatever you call it, right? <laughs> so not only does that mean I get to go see like 12 movies a month or something like that for like less than 30 bucks. Um but what that also means is when I'm trying to get my popcorn when I'm trying to get my, and I don't just get popcorn, first of all. I get that. I don't just get that butter popcorn. I get that caramel popcorn, half caramel, half cheddar mix of that gourmet flavored popcorn. You know what I'm saying? Get my bag of fancy mixed nuts for like $10. Spend my like $50 on food that they get me for. But you know what I don't got to do? Fine. I don't got to wait online, homie. Because <laughs> I get to use that express line. And yeah, yeah. That is some capitalistic economic BS, but I paid for it. And you better believe when, when I get there, is it messed up? That's that when you get there and there's no one online, like, first of all, I got to do that double take. So like, do I go on the line? Do I go on? Do I go on the, do when there's nobody else there, but like one or two people, do I go on the, Oh you're special because you paid for this damn membership so you can skip the line line or do yes. I go on the regular line because I look like, I look like just, I just look like a jackass who's who when, I, when like I'm trying, I'm just going to get on that line to skip one person to skip one person. But anyway, um, yes, I get to skip on that, that line. person. I'm sorry. You paid to skip that. dude. Got yeah, it. I but I do get on that line. But anyway, <laughs> back to my point, back to my point, which is that, Um, When I went to see Black Panther, so I was on my, I was on the, the fat in the fast lane. Right. And there was this dude in the fast lane with me and in full transparency, he was Caucasian. Right. But he, he was looking around and being, and he was, we were joking around about how this was one of the few times that that fast lane was actually super useful because so many goddamn people were in line and we were having conversation about how annoying that was that all these people we're in line with that. We, he, and I were we were taught, We were geeking out about how excited we were for Black Panther and how we've read the Black Panther comics, watched the Black Panther animated series, and all that stuff, right? Um, and how all these people knew nothing about that shit, right? Nothing about it, and it was clear even from if you hear the conversations people are having, they don't even know. They don't know the plots. They don't know the characters. They don't know anything. So, at what point? One, once again, we I was stuck in that situation where where he, me and this dude, we're just talking about like, yo, this is some annoying ass shit with all these people here. But at the same time, I'm thrilled all those people are there and thrilled that all these people are dressed up in the black garb and that I've never seen this many of my folk coming out for one of the nerdy comic sci-fi whatever movies that I like to go to. My man, I just, first of all,
1: all y'all listening right now, you need to understand That there's a certain level of geekdom that Don and I share, which is why we're both good friends. Right. So I 100% feel you on being surrounded by people who don't know nothing about what's going on. But that's also a metaphor for exactly what we're talking about. Right. Like if you embrace the energy, I don't really care if you don't know what's going on because. If you embrace it and you stay in it long enough, you'll get educated. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I'm hoping that the Black Pantherfication plus Black Lives Matter, you know, plus a, a re because the movie's about to come out in the next couple of years, like this little pocket of, like, you know, negrosity that's flaring up in this country right now. Like we, I yeah. want we need to, we need to figure out how to capitalize on all of it, you know, and not, I don't want to talk down on anybody who didn't, you know, never heard of black Panther before, never wore anything from a West African country before. Fine. Thank you for shopping from that one black owned brand where you got that one outfit because you contributed. That's my whole Kwanzaa argument. Like, Mm. if we can get people to do more of that on a more consistent basis, then we will actually start to see some change. Everybody everybody talks about how America can't change. America is built on capitalism. America is not going to change. We have to build our shit into the capitalist structure. Not in such a way... That we are bastardizing ourselves because I'm I'm not about that. I am one of those people who will spend money to make sure that the right people get my money. Like I'm one of those people. I know a lot of people don't do that. And I don't encourage, you know, if you can't, you're a lot of people don't have the financial freedom to do that. You know what I'm saying? They have to take the cheapest option. I don't, so I don't, but you have to put some kind of energy into the system, if you want to see some kind of change. And most people are content with complaining about the system, the man or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And then they put very little energy into the system to change it. If every single person puts a little bit of energy into this system, the way that it's designed, mm-hmm. spending money on our businesses, you know, making the choice to not do this in order to do this in order to further them because they are us making those kinds of choices on a very limited scale. If everybody did it a little bit, we would all benefit. So that's, that's, that's my mission. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So when people always ask me, why are you putting so much energy into Kwan's and Nobody cares.
0: Um, you just said a lot of very thoughtful and insightful shit. You also gave me a very wonderful idea. This might be the hottest idea. and um, might go viral or I don't know if uh, I've just halfway into my first glass of this black label that that Johnny Walker got me walking in the wrong direction. <laughs> but oh my idea for tying this all together first off i'll tell you i'll tell you what 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 inspired it everything you just said and last night i was watching uh i watched boba fett i caught up on 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 boba fett um episodes five and six you've been watching boba fett endorse oh yeah all right cool see i didn't see i knew i could bring this up we didn't even talk about it but because as you were talking about like we on that wavelength with this type of stuff that we that we that we enjoy right yes sir um you saw how they had a, what's, what's the, what's the Luke, Skywalker act, uh, Luke Skywalker actor? That's Mark Hamill, right? Mark Hamill, yeah. You saw how they did, how they brought Mark Hamill back, right? With the, uh, with the CGI, the de-aging technology that they're doing now with stuff. Craziness, fabulous. right? I still thought it was a little wonky with some of the talking. It was like his lips weren't 100% matched, but that's like some minor type shit. But other than that, fabulous. You know that's, what that's I heard about? Like- 4K TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, know what, you know what I heard a lot of talk about recently I was reading an article about? There's a lot of discussion about who's going to play the next Black Panther. Some people trying to petition to get to get to get Kevin Feige and Marvel to uh, to to do the D well the use the de aging type of technology or CGI whatever to 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 have T'Challa stay the same to to be my man Chadwick Boseman right yeah. But what you just brought up made me think of the greatest idea ever. Let's de-age Martin Luther King and have him be the next Black Panther. (laughs) Yes! Can we start this? Can we start, get this to go viral? Why not? Why not? Who better better to replace Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther than Martin Luther King Jr.? You'd have to explain
1: why Black Panther stopped fighting because you know MLK was all about nonviolence. <laughs>
0: but <laughs> but he would be great. He would pick up now, leaning into back to the fact that like I'm not just throwing it out there. I actually know about what's going on in the Marvel verse. Remember how they ended off Black Panther and the whole that whole movie was about him coming back around to the idea that he needs to actually have an Im- have an impact outside of Wakanda and you can't just isolate Wakanda to itself. And what did Martin Luther King, what was Martin Luther King all about? It, branching out and involving all communities and getting co- those communities together and what he wanted to roll out. So he would be the perfect one to pick up on that mission of actually taking Wakanda and its technologies and helping to bring that in a peaceful mission to the rest of the world and and unifying everybody together. It, it might not be a great film,
1: though. <laughs> Without the fight scenes.
0: Yeah, but, but the monologues in that film, homie? Woo! <laughs> be epic. Can you imagine you have Martin Luther King as the as the the heir to T'Challa as Black Panther and he gives a revamped I have a dream speech while being in the ancestral realm and dreaming. Okay. Pseudo dreaming. I'm just saying. So, catching up to where we at now. Right. I love this. I love this you and me catching up. I hate the fact that it means that we haven't gotten to catch up in a long time, but this catch up is, is hilarious because of, of the things that happened over just the course of a couple of months. Word, so, word. we get moving up past MLK Day, we get to Black History Month. Right? It's now Black History Month. You and I have actually exchanged a lot of a lot of texts, and we've had some passing conversation about this. But we actually even decided we wanted to we wanted to save some of our interaction to to really um, come fully uh, genuine on the on the podcast with our thoughts on this, right? Right. So, um, Black History Month means different things to different people, and I and I don't even mean. And I'm not just going to say different people because of whether you're black or whether you're not black. I mean, I'm not even talking about what Black History Month means to non-black people. Black History Month, what does it mean to different black people? What does it mean you and I, good buddies from college, doing a podcast together, right? Grew up in Queens, New York. Yeah, not 15 minutes from each other, 15, 20 minutes. But you and I, as... As you like to, as you've affectionately labeled it, when you and I talk, we're different flavors of black. And I don't mean like, I don't mean like chocolatey, dark chocolatey, dark, dark chocolatey, whatever. Right. I don't mean like salted caramel. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Right. What can you explain what you mean? When you talk about that, um, when you've said in, in some of our exchange of texts that Black History Month um, has different meaning to people depending on the flavor of black that they are. Yeah, man. Um, <clears throat> like, so when you come here from
1: another country uh, as a migrant, right, um, we'll, we'll speak specifically to New York here. Large number of both um, African migrants and Caribbean migrants here. When you come here and you got dark skin, no matter where you come from, America treats you like you're black, right? It shoves us all into the same box. But when you grow up here, you know, you're the young kid that came with the Caribbean parents. And you're growing up and going to school with some black kids whose parents are what I refer to as former cotton pickers. Y'all grow up together. Those, you know, kids with the black Southern roots are mean to the immigrant kids, and this is, you know, this is something that the the you know maybe the white community has no access to. But there's beef within black, especially for younger kids. Um, like I personally didn't really recognize the difference between black and black until I got to Andover. Because I grew up, I, I was privileged enough to be around some black Southern people and a lot of black Caribbean people when I was growing up. Um and one of my close cousins also married into a huge West African Ghanaian family. So I had on the same plate, you know, jollof rice, you know, curry, goat, fried chicken and mac and cheese. <laughs> so my Experience with black did not fracture until I got to high school.
0: That was and, a phenomenal sounding meal, by the way. I don't know if you saw. I I just you you I I'm gonna need to pick back up to whatever you said after because I you you lost me at uh, after you lost me after curry goat and and man I don't even eat goat anymore. But that meal man. sounded incredible. I'm,
1: I, I shouldn't know my audience. I apologize. <laughs> I said food and I lost my partner, man. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, like. I started to recognize, like, there were different clubs for black kids. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, it was like a Caribbean club and, like, an African club. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to go to all the clubs (laughs) because I like clubs. So I was like, yo, let me in. I'm one of those, too. (laughs) where, where, Where are your parents from? Alabama. You know, part of the reason why we, as a community, have difficulty unifying is because we haven't really fully embraced our own differences. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you, were, you were saying that yourself, Haitian-American, um, second generation, right? First, I'm first generation.
0: <laughs> you're you're first par- generation. My parents immigrated direct. My parents both immigrated from Haiti, yeah. Right. So, you
1: know, there's, we, you and I have a shared experience because we both grew up, you know, not too far from each other. But then mm-hmm. you went home to your house. You know, and y'all celebrated New Year's very differently from the way we did. For example, yep. you know, since we were talking about the holidays, so you know, for those that don't know, the the
0: you know Haitian celebrate. Oh, let me not talk about your culture, man. Like I, <laughs> oh yeah, I'll I'll break. Haitians New Year's is very important to Haitians. Haitians eat their soup jumou. On or on, and forgive me if my pronunciation is a little off to, to any uh, uh, Haitians who speak crazy, Haitian Grail better than I do, but we have our soup, the soup. And part of the big reason, what's funny of you bringing that up, the interesting thing about you bringing that up, you know me as someone who respects that as an adult. When I was younger, I used to get annoyed. My, my, my dad made a big deal about, you got to come home for New Year's. You got to call your parents and your family members on New Year's. And I was like, dude, it's New Year's. I was out for New Year's Eve partying. I'm recovering on New Year's Day. I'm not coming home for New Year's. I was out till five in the morning, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. But New Year's is when uh, Haitians drank the traditional soup, which is in celebration of and respect for the ancestors who uh, led the first successful slave revolt in the Western world. Thank you. Right? Right. Um, and that's why they eat the soup that they do, because it's celebrating being able to eat the thing that the their uh, slave master. I hate the phrase slave master, slave capture, slave, whatever you want to call it. I just hate the word masters, but uh, that the the people who enslaved them used to be able to eat. And then they were the, the, now they were able to eat it. So Haitians, our soup, our soup, great soup. Justin, I know you love it. I love it.
1: <laughs> you know, but, for those who don't know what it is, it's like uh it's like it's like Haitians made gumbo. Like it's it's yeah. it's very similar because it's a lot of different stuff, you know, chopped up in it.
0: It's not really a soup, it's more of a stew. <laughs> it's mad thick. Butternut squash, <clears throat> noodles, meat, whatever meats, vegetables, potatoes, sweet potatoes, throw it in there. Give it to me. Yes. Let it marinate. Let it simmer Bro. for a long time. Bro, now I'm hot and bothered. <laughs> yeah.
1: And it's um, always made in large quantities as well. We need to point that out. You never make a small thing of soup, Jumu. You nah. eat it for like a week.
0: So and now I good. drive my now I drive my parent, my dad, crazy because he's got to make a batch that has no red meat in it for me <laughs> to be able to eat because I don't eat red meat. I anymore. know
1: he's mad about it. I know he's <laughs> mad about it.
0: Still does it, though. Still does it. Still does it. So appreciate you for that, Dad. Love you. Thank you. Um, Getting back to this to this topic of different flavors of black, like you were saying. Funny. us talking about this. We known each other for 20 some odd plus years. And all this time, I thought you I thought because of how much you uh, embrace Caribbean culture, I thought you actually did have some Caribbean in you. I didn't even know that that was just not through blood relation. But in any with any respect i'm gonna take a step further and be more specific about what you were telling people about the difference between you know quote unquote like you were calling it cotton picker black versus um caribbean immigrant black we'll use that that's not the i don't want to even i don't want people to get it twisted like we don't understand that there's way more quote unquote flavors of black than that but let's just talk about that for the time being because that's that's what you and i from our own experiences can talk about right All right let me tell you another story tell you a story about. Um, Friend of the family, when my little sister was in uh, grade school, right, Black History Month. Um, uh, my little sister and this one other kid, who's a friend, who's a, a son of a friend of the family, are, are in the same class in grade school at an all-white school out in a rich town in Long Island. And the um, we didn't we weren't from the rich town, but my sister got to go to school in the rich town. Long story, but um, Black History come, month comes up. Teacher trying to be inclusive and trying to be aware, trying to be, before we had the phrase woke, right? whatever woke was in the 90s, right? <laughs> uh, is highlighting Black History Month and and mentions the black American kids in the class um, and highlights something about that to them, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. I don't remember. I wasn't there for the exact context, so I'm not even going to like, I don't necessarily know if the teacher actually did anything wrong or not. Right. But the mother, because it's a Haitian person, the mother of that, of that child was livid at the teacher for referring to her son as African American and tying her son into her son, into a black history lesson in any way, shape or form, because not all Caribbeans and not, and I'm sure this applies to other immigrant black immigrants, not all of them, actually want to be affiliated with quote unquote black American culture or being referred to as African-American. They see Caribbean American as a different thing. And this is where it gets real complicated when you come from that type of history as a, as a first generation Caribbean, black American or Caribbean, Africa, Afro-Caribbean American, I should say like I am, which is because what you pointed out, you have to recognize, and this is what I get mad at about people like that, who I just spoke about. Like you have to recognize, I don't care what you think about yourself. I mean. Yes, what you think about yourself matters, but guess what matters more in the reality of the world we live in? What everybody else sees you and thinks of you as is going to be what you get, whether you want it or not. And what those people see you as is a black, black American, right? They don't know the distinction between, between the you know Caribbean. They don't know the distinction between African African American, African multi generation African American, as in sl- enslavement American versus Africa came from Africa, post slavery American versus Caribbean afro African American, right? And the layered issue that really, really gets can gets almost confusing sometimes when you're looking at when you just look at some of the attitudes in the Caribbean, uh, black Caribbean community is that you have to remember. Many of these people are people who they viewed this country as the land of milk and honey and opportunity and freedom to get away from the poverty and circumstances that they were living under where they came from. So then they come here and they're viewing it that way, where you have black Americans who have been here for generations, viewing it as a, as a place that has systemic systemic, that stole them from their mother country and then has systemically held them down. When their people have tried to make economic progress, every time or, or or other levels of progress in our society, right? Yes, sir. So how do we how do we get around that? Is really the, que- the question, or is it something? I don't even know if it's something to get around of, but just to recognize in the fact that like there is a there are a lot of nuances and a lot of so when we say it's Black History Month, that's not just a, that's not just that doesn't just mean. Oh hey, everybody, uh, everybody who's black get together and we celebrate and this and that. It there's a lot of deeper meaning to that for people. So, to my non-black friends and the non-black listeners of this podcast, if you want to ask, if you want to do anything in Black History Month to be to show awareness to your black friends, maybe ask them, "Hey, what does Black History Month mean to you?" And what is what are some of the nuanced details about your Black history and where it falls into the framework of Black American history. Being from Queens, that makes us, we are New York City natives, right? You know what being a New York City native at our ages makes us? It makes us street food connoisseurs. Yes, sir. Street Absolutely. food connoisseurs. Absolutely.
1: So. Cannot exist in a city without really embracing some
0: street food at some point in your existence. And New York's got great street food. And you know what? You know what's interesting lately? That's been getting me kind of nostalgic walking down the street. Is like nowadays New York street food is like you see these. I got we got these fancy carts with like all types of I see like hibachi and I see like. Thai food and I see like lobster roll trucks and I see Jamaican jerk chicken trucks and I'm all, I'm here for all of that. But at the same time, at the same time, just (laughs) there's nothing I appreciate more than an old school New York city food cart. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Smell like burnt salt. Got some, got some (laughs) nuts roasting that, that, have been roasting for 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 a week. <laughs> right? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. So I want you first of first off, I want you to explain. I want you to tell people what qualifies as street food. Right? What qualifies as street food. And I could talk about street food from all over the world, from my travels, from my business travels, et cetera. Like I talked about earlier, how I like to experience local culture. Experiencing local culture means eating street food. I've eaten street food in Hong Kong by myself. I've eaten street food in uh, Jamaica, in Haiti. I've eaten street food in Prague. I've eaten street food from what me and my boy affectionately labeled the fried wall of goodness in Amsterdam. Where they were on to some futuristic type stuff where you walk up to this alcove that's just got a wall and it's got hot fried foods that you get out of this wall that you put money into, like a vending machine. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing until you ask anybody locally what those things are actually made of. (laughs) But that being said, we're going to limit this to New York street food. Okay. Can you please define for people? New York street food. And I want to. And. not that fancy, high-end street food. What qualifies as authentic street food? And then tell me, I want you to put together if it is if this is your final meal in life, your final meal. I knew you was going. <laughs> you on? You know, you did something you wasn't supposed to do, and you know, you on that final meal list. Death I'll come, visit, I'll come, I'll come visit you. you right. And you're like, Piz, you know, it's been a good ride. They about to take me out, but you know, it's that last meal kind of status. Can you pick me up three items to make me the perfect final meal? And it's all got to be New York street food, street food, authentic. What are we getting? So first okay. tell me how you define it Two, give me that meal. See for me street food
1: is anything cooked where they don't actually have a kitchen. You know what I'm saying? So if there's no kitchen, it's street food. So you can have like a like for example in Harlem they got little like little shacks built on the outside of of <laughs> restaurants and it's just mm-hmm. room enough for one and a half persons in that motherfucker. That's mm-hmm. street food. It's not a Food truck, but they don't have a kitchen. They got to make that stuff and they got to bring it and, 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 you know, upload it from their car. So that's that's essentially what I what I define it as. Um, so obviously food trucks is in there. I try not to, like you said, talk to, you know, um, there are food trucks, meaning trucks that have street food. And then there are like artisan food trucks. We're going to separate those out. Yeah. Right.
0: So for me. No hate. But they just you, y'all just don't get included in this.
1: Yeah, we are not talking about y'all. No, no hate involved. I like I like good food, whether it comes from a truck or a restaurant. Yeah. I don't give a fuck.
0: It's like it's not, like not, it's like it's like talking about it's like Black Lives Matter and and you know people try to be like all lives matter. Yes, all street food matters. But right now we are talking about street food. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we not we're not like like yeah you you artisan street truck foods like. Y'all, y'all get your shine another time. We People talk about you all enough. We're trying to, we're trying to represent the real deal right here. I, I that might have been a bad analogy, but... Nah, but, I, but I'm with
1: you. I'm with you. You know what I'm saying? We, we here. Because for me,
0: it's, it's got to be the gyro truck. Uh, I knew. I knew. I have a feeling where you're going. I was wondering if you're going to go there. It's because if, be- I know, if I know you correctly, here's the problem. You say a gyro truck, but I don't think you're talking about any gyro truck. I feel I like you have a gyro truck that you go Actually, to. Actually, yes, I have right? a
1: specific truck. <laughs> my man who used to be, I don't know if he's there anymore because COVID, and I haven't had a gyro from a street in like probably 15 years. But for a long time, that was my joint. It was on 54th Street and 6th Avenue in the middle of the city. I was there all night and you know in our 20s, we was big club, club people. So we was out all hours of the night planning after we leave the spot. We're going to the gyro spot. Didn't matter where we were in the city, to find our way 54th Street, 6th Avenue, and get a gyro sandwich. And this is what you had to tell him because if you didn't say sandwich. Then you was gonna get the the the, the plate with the rice, the, and the, the, yeah, the yeah, rice, the salad. the
0: salad, the the meat, the, the tzatziki. Yeah,
1: yeah. We want we want the gyro sandwich. We want the you said tzatziki. We know what that was. I didn't know what that sauce was called until I was like thirty five, something like that. It's white sauce, right? Yeah. <laughs> so for New Yorkers, y'all know what I'm talking about. You're getting the gyro with the white sauce. A little bit of hot sauce because like it's late and you don't really want to do that to your stomach. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you want that flavor and and a little bit of barbecue
0: sauce with that too. So we mix that all oh, together. You get barbecue sauce on the gyro? Yes. And the yes, I did sauce? call I did call it a gyro, by the way, because that's you what did. we're talking about, gyros. But we 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 refer to them as gyros here. <laughs> um, For people who don't barbecue know. sauce, so you sweeten that bad boy up a little bit. Yes, right? you mix that up, man.
1: That's mm. that's that's it. And also important, got to make sure that, that that they heat up the the the, the bread. Yeah, don't so give things- me. Yeah,
0: don't give me that. Don't just don't just pick the bread out of the refrigerated compartment of your cart, slap it on the tinfoil, and then throw the hot meat on it. First of all, we you know what happens when you put hot when you touch hot stuff to cold stuff. Come on now. You know exactly what I'm talking about. That bread yeah, sweat. You don't want none of that. You don't want yeah, none of that. Yeah, no, 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 no. Right? And it also, oh, oh, very
1: important. Like people want to buy street food and leave with it, but you have to eat it. Right? You don't wrap that up. You got to get it wrapped like three quarters wrapped and you got to have the top open so you can get right, right up in there. Yeah. Because once you start covering it, now we're talking about bread sweat, which is gross.
0: Bread sweat. Disgusting. Nobody wants bread sweat. I, I, listen all our listeners out there, if you about that bread sweat, it's the wrong podcast for you. Right? I don't know what y'all doing. We we ain't about that life. <laughs> I
1: don't know what y'all doing? <laughs> we gonna have. We, first of all, we gonna have a whole pod like
0: section of a next episode dedicated to the air fryer because the air fryer needs some respect. Oh my goodness! We will break down everything air fryer related. That's for sure. Boom. But anyway, all right. So you hit me with so, your your year your euro. Yes. Yeah. So that's item number one. I told you you get to make three gourmet th- a gourmet street New York City street meat street food, not just street meat street food meal.
1: Oh, All right. So all right we got well. your
0: euro. Yeah. You two more items. All right. Um, number two,
1: I'm going. To, I'm going somewhere um, like around where I live now. Um, you know, South Bronx or uh you know Washington Heights and I'm looking for a little old Latina lady with like a, a slight hunch in her back. Mm-hmm. Right? Cause she got that cart with the with the corn that's like crusted with the butter and the cheese. You know what I'm talking about? With corn on the stick. Oh, they do that up by you? Yeah, man. Okay. That is crackish like <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how they make it I probably just made that up I feel like
0: there's some mm. there's butter and there's cheese involved it's that 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 grilled that is they do that Mexican style grilled grilled corn with the uh yeah. with the I don't even know what that cheese is called that like crumbly soft little you no know, uh, you know yeah I you know you know it when you see it and you know it when you taste it yeah yes that okay that's two right those now, same people probably got churros right yeah, <laughs> yo, y'all peeped up. Y'all peeped. Up. Roll that R one more time. Oh, what you talking about? Them churros? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know. I don't know about y'all out here eating them churros. Right? I ain't Chur- about that Chur- life. Sound like some like cereal. Bring me a warm cinnamony churro.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My man. All right, so that's two. Now uh, the third one. The third one's actually pretty easy. Because, you know, we're New Yorkers. You're like me. You grew up in the hood. It's easy. Oh, I said it was easy. It's
0: not easy. All right. So, street food, I got See? two courses. This is why I, I ask you. Dessert, right? This is why I ask you these questions because they sound easy until you get working on it. Am I going Mr. Softy? Because that's also street food.
1: Mmm. That or, is street food. Or am I going
0: Rainbow Mango Icy? Mm. See, I assumed I assumed you were going icy. So I mm. on my list, I'm I'm not going icy because I thought that's where you were going. Mm. But I didn't, I, was, I didn't think of Mr. Softy. I didn't think of Mr. Softy. You got a solid point. Mr. Softy is New York official street food. Right? I mean, I think about moments
1: in my childhood hearing the Mr. Softy truck outside the window and like leaping down entire flights of stairs to chase that motherfucker down the block. <laughs> Because if you don't see nobody coming, the truck will keep going. When he sees a yeah. bunch of kids running, then they will stop and like sell ice cream. So, I, and, like, there's there's some nostalgia there. But as a baller and somebody who spent a lot of time playing basketball as a kid, you already know
0: mm-hmm. that the little lady
1: with the with the with the with the ICs is coming through, and it's yep. just standing there next to the court the whole time, <laughs> waiting for the game to be over. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the. I'm gonna go with the icy.
0: I'm gonna go with the icy. All right. So to recap, you got you a gyro with some tzatziki, some hot sauce, t- touch of hot sauce, a little barbecue sauce oh. in wrapped in the inside of a warm grilled pita, no bread sweat. Then you follow that up with that grilled street corn with that crumbly, soft, tasty cheese that none of neither of us know how to, what it's called. And then you're hitting them with that rainbow ice. You got it. That's it. Okay. Okay. I feel you. I feel you. All right. You ready for this? Go. Here's where I'm going with mine. I'm only going to one. You you went to three different people for your shit. All right. That's beautiful. That's lovely. You're spreading the love. You're spreading the wealth. You're supporting the local economy. (laughs) I'm going to one person. And I want that cart. I need that cart to be. I'm going back. I'm taking it back to like the 90s. Like I could pick, I could get, I can make my meal at my, my man on, uh, walking back from Regis, I get to the, to the, to the train to get back to Queens. My man on like 86th and Lexington, I think it was around there. 86 Park at Lex, standing out, staying outside the pizzeria. I'm hitting them with, I'm going with the Euro as well. AKA gyro. How you not, how you not. Right. Exactly. I, again i don't even eat red meat anymore but i'm gonna throw, last I'm meal, gonna throw it, in. Do it last meal you gotta get that lamb donor kebab mixed mash meat situation sliced yeah. grilled tasty i'm getting i want everything on that bad boy i want green peppers i want onions i want tzatziki all right i don't want bread sweat heat my bread up grill it do it right treat it like you like you care about it all right <laughs> Um. Like you said, wrap it proper. Leave the top open. I'm eating that bad boy as soon as you hand it to me, okay? I'm taking a bite before I walk away so I can turn to you, give you a smile, let you know you did that thing right. Mm-hmm. Okay? Next. Give me that knish, bruh. Oh, okay. Give me that kanish, bruh. You know what? You know what I found out? You know why you don't see knishes anymore? Did you notice that you don't see knishes at all no more? I haven't really been looking, but... There was one main manufacturer of knishes in, in the New York area, and they, they, they closed up. Somebody told me this. Wow. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully, I'm not spreading misinformation here. Otherwise, you're going to hit me with your tax, but you know what I'm saying? The <laughs> don't um, <at> me.
1: <laughs> Yeah,
0: don't at me on this one. Don't try to tax me on this one. I don't have one of them blue check marks next to my name yet, like JT was talking about. <laughs> but I'm getting that Kanish. Same deal. Heat it up. I want my knish to be soft and warm on the outside. I want it to have that nice crust on the outside, right? Then you're going to slice my knish open. You're going to put that mustard on there, right? Okay. Okay. I'm going to have my knish on the side of the euro, right? Then, and this one is going to tell you who really is a fan of the Beat Orm Podcast because this is episode number one, but we got a pilot episode that you could still listen to on iTunes. And guess what? If you listen to that pilot episode, you already know where I'm going with this one. <laughs> Hit me with them honey roasted cashews. <laughs> yeah, bruh. You know what I'm talking about. Street nuts. You ever watch? I dare you. I dare you to walk past one of them street vendors. Smell it. Pause and not think about buying a pack of them cats for honey roasted cashews. Bro, it's hard, man. Cause you know
1: I live by Yankee Stadium now. So like walking over there. Well, killing me. Mm. I'm, 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 I'm like, I'm on my way to the track to try to be less fat,
0: and I gotta walk past roasted nuts. Yeah. And then they got and then they got like honey roasted like coconut, right? They they like, roast roasted. Yeah, Whatever. these fools out there, these fools out there are honey roasting anything, but you know what? <laughs> Ain't nothing going to do it right like a, a honey roasted cashew. And that's the first episode of the Beat Arm Podcast, folks. <laughs> Check us out next time. You know where to find us. Remember rate, subscribe, review, then unsubscribe, then resubscribe. Rate, review, show us some love. You got any feedback? Hit us with it. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to talk about. Catch you next time. Yeah. Powered, Powered by Righteous Media.